0: We're in our third week, Lessons from the Wilderness. And up to this point, the thing that I've learned, I don't know what you've learned, but the thing that I've learned here in uh, just exploring the places that God's people spent some time in wilderness, um, whether it was Adam and Eve out of the garden, that was week number one, or whether it was uh, the exiles in the wilderness outside of Egypt. One One of the big things that I've learned up to this point is you don't want to try to go it alone. You want to make sure that there's somebody with you and that somebody is God. Adam and Eve, they didn't invite God to go with them. In the wilderness, Moses said, we won't go if you don't go. And so we've learned those two lessons. Today, I really, really have enjoyed putting this one together because this is lessons from the wilderness when we talk about God's people going to Babylon. God's people going to Babylon. Here's the setup for it. Josiah is king, and if you remember anything about your Old Testament, you will remember that Josiah is one of those good kings. Lots of bad kings, right? Josiah is one of those good kings. He's the boy king. He becomes king at just a teenage, okay? He, he's a teenager, and he becomes the king of the Jewish people, the king of Judah. He's the one that they did renovations in the temple, and they found the word of God again, yeah? Yeah? and they changed all of their worship to reflect God again because they had gotten way off of uh, God's plan that's Josiah well here's the mistake that Josiah made there were two nations that were at war with each other in the days of Josiah you recognize both of them one of them was Egypt the other one was a nation just coming into its power named Babylon who wins that war? They don't know. But if you had to bet, who do you think would have won that war? Egypt. Been around. Been around for a thousand years. They were the people that held you captive. Babylon. Young, upstart nation. Who wins that war? Well, you know what Josiah thought? Egypt. Of course, Egypt wins this war. If you are a little bitty nation that's caught between two big nations that are getting ready to go to war with each other, what do you have to do? You have to make an alliance with one of them. Well, here's God's word in the Old Testament was don't make an alliance with either of them. But Josiah, he was human. And when you've got two nations breathing down your neck and both of them trying to get you to to make an alliance with them... You're going to choose one or the other. Josiah chose Egypt. And Egypt didn't win. Babylon won. You see, Babylon was ready to become the next world power. Not going to be dethroned until the Persians come in. Because of that, there was a king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. When he had done away with Egypt, he turned his attention to Israel. Now, what do you do? Israel has no standing army to fight back. So you don't go to war with them. Probably uh, most of the ways, as we read in history, that Nebuchadnezzar dealt with them is he just laid siege around their cities until they gave up. And once Israel gave up and acknowledged that Babylon was the new power, then Babylon has a choice, right? You can just wipe Israel out Young upstart, you know, the this this old, old nation in the world, these Jewish people that have been around for uh before Egypt, even. Or you can take what's best from Israel and make it your own. And that's what they did. They went into the temple and they cleaned all the gold out of the temple. They went to the house of of the homes of the most educated in Israel. And they took those people back to Babylon. They took all the priests. You see, this is what Babylon did. They worshipped pagan gods, but they were more than happy to learn about the gods of other nations because they believed in many gods. So they just took the priests of Yahweh, the best priests, and they moved them to Babylon. And they left a whole bunch of people there in Israel and they just said to them, now if you'll behave we won't destroy you. That sounds like a deal, right? Things go on as they always have. Israel can worship as they always have, essentially, other than they don't have a temple to go to anymore because Babylon has stripped it bare and they've taken all the utensils up into Babylon. And so Israel goes into a wilderness again. A place that's not their home. If we go to Psalm 137, Psalm 137. I want to read this for you. This isn't the one I'm going to put up on the screen. I'm going to put the screen from Jeremiah. I'm going to put the scripture from Jeremiah up on the screen in a minute, thanks to Stephen furiously getting this in before service. But Psalm 137 says this. By the rivers of Babylon, they've written a song about this wilderness journey in Babylon. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and we cried. Okay? You've sided with the wrong army, Egypt. You've been conquered. And Babylon has taken you captive. So we sat down by the river and we cried. And we remembered Jerusalem. We hung our harps upon the willows. The willow trees, okay? We hung our harps up on the willow trees in the midst of Babylon. For there in Babylon, those who carried us away captive asked of us a song. Do you hear that? Babylon has carried Israel away captive and they've said to him, give us a song. Israel's response is going to be what? How in the world do you sing for the people that have carried you away captive? Now, do you view this as Babylon taunting Israel or do you view this as Babylon saying... Give us the best of what you are. Well, that's the way I read this. I don't see Babylon taunting Israel. Well, that's what you're saying now. There was no war between Israel and Babylon. Israel couldn't stand against Babylon. Babylon was at war with Egypt, and Israel picked the wrong side to be on. We don't know what would have happened if they'd have just stayed neutral and let God deal with these two armies. We know they didn't choose that. We know that Josiah chose to align himself with Egypt. And now Babylon, who has taken them captive, asks a song. Those who plundered us requested us to be joyful, saying to us, sing us one of the songs of Zion, of Jerusalem. And they ask a question in the fourth verse of the 137th Psalm. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? What a fantastic question. How are we supposed to sing in the wilderness? How are we supposed to have the joy of the Lord? In the wilderness. Let's get political. Let's get political. Whatever party wins in November, is that party not going to want the rest of the nation to celebrate with them? How many elections have you guys been through? How many of you have seen The floors of the conventions as the voting comes in whether it's Republicans or Democrats that win and they're throwing a party and the acceptance speech of the winning party is always let's get together and let's go they want us to sing in the midst of what many people consider boy I'll tell you what the the elections of the last 20 years been rather dramatic folks We should have died 20 years ago, truthfully. If all the pundits had been right and who got elected. America should have gone down the drain a long time ago. Because what I heard from one side was, oh, we're doomed. And I heard from the other side, oh, let's go. Whether it was hope and change or make America great again. Didn't matter. They wanted... Let's get political. They wanted the other party to be joyful and and to have hope and to sing. And can I be honest with you? Very seldom have I seen somebody from the other party that was saying, I'm ready to sing now. <laughs> Generally, it takes you about a year to get over depression. <laughs> oh, let's get even more personal. You guys have been around church forever. Ever remember a preacher you didn't like? Uh I remember as a a pastor boy, I I see this all the time, either in my own life or in the lives of other pastors. And and I remember a story that a pastor's wife told me one time. This was an, she was an older person at this point. She, they were retired. They had been through it all. And... um, was a part of a church and somebody was coming up to her and just complaining about the pastor. Now, this was a pastor's wife. Just complaining about the pastor. It wasn't her husband anymore that they were complaining about. It was another pastor that they were complaining about. And just talking about you know, I can't believe he does this and boy, he preaches terrible and I just don't get anything out of these sermons anymore and boy, the church is just going in the wrong direction and can you believe his theology? You you know the, the, the complaints. You have them about pastors. And she looked at him and she said, did you like the pastor before this one? Yeah, he was great. And so this very wise pastor's wife who was now retired and older looked at her friend and said... Well, it's not your turn this time then, is it? In other words, somebody else got to like this pastor. Somebody else got to find meaning. But can I be honest with you? That's not the way we deal with our deserts, with our wildernesses. That's not the way we deal with with feeling taken captive. What do we do? By and large, what we do is we foment rebellion. If it's in terms of a preacher, I'll quit giving my money. I'll quit going to church. I'll go find a new church. If it's a politician, how many times have I heard the threat, if that person gets elected, I'm moving to another country? (laughs) Good grief. I heard it under both President Obama and President Trump. We are now the rebellion. Israel is captive to Babylon. Babylon says to them, Sing us a song. Not, I don't believe, to taunt them. Yeah, we beat you now. Let's see you sing now. Israel was no threat to Babylon. It was, can you find hope? Give us the best of who you are. After all, they took the educated and the talented from Israel, brought them to Babylon, and said, we want to make you a part of who we are. If you go to the book of Jeremiah It answers the question that Israel had In the 137th chapter of Psalms When they sang that song How shall we sing In the midst of a nation that has taken us captive Jeremiah 29 Beginning with verse 4 Thus says the Lord of hosts the God of Israel, to all who are carried away captive, whom I've caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses. Dwell in them. Plant gardens. Eat the fruit of those gardens. Take wives, have sons and daughters, Take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters that you may be increased there and not diminished. Seek the peace. Seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive. Pray to the Lord for that. For in its peace You will have peace How do you sing a song In the midst of captivity in Babylon Well my mama used to say it to me Like this When life gives you lemon Thank you You had a mama just like mine Didn't you? When life gives you lemons, make lemonade. In the 1870s, 1860s, you know we were fighting a terrible civil war in this nation. The blacks who had been brought over here from Africa, can't call them African Americans because we didn't consider them Americans. They were freed legally. But many of them not really. What are you supposed to do? Where are you supposed to go? How are you supposed to live? How do you make money? How do you feed your family? And so if you study the histories of our nation, you know in the 1860s and 1870s, the, the repercussions of slavery didn't end just because we emancipated the, the blacks that had been brought over here from Africa. Because there are different kinds of slavery in this world. Different kinds of captivity. You know that. Try living without money sometime. And tell me you don't feel like you're taken captive in a land that is filled with wealth. And so the reality was for many of them, they had to continue to live under systems that was still going to use them and not adequately compensate them for that one of the programs that came out of that was a a pretty good program it was called the, the share. you could be a sharecropper and that is you could take some land and if you took care of that land and farmed that land for so many years then that land became yours if you would stay and farm that for that amount of time and we put that into law I believe we called that 40 acres and a mule what do you do if you are a slave or the descendants now, one of the children of one of those slaves. Most of your families have been broken up. Most of your families, they may be in Texas, they may be in Louisiana. Who knows where they are in the South? Because families were taken and sold off. One of the amazing things that happened from that is a church was born. The... African Methodist Episcopal Church was born. It's called the AME Church. And let me tell you what that church was born with. That church was born with the uh, from the reality that, that the slaves and the black people of that era weren't able to just begin to build their own churches. Number one, where do you get the money to build a church like that? You, you don't. You don't have money. You don't have... You may legally have freedom, but you don't have freedom. What land are you going to build it on? So what they did is they went out in the wooded areas and they would construct little country churches. And they formed a denomination called the African Methodist Episcopal Church. And here's one of the things that happened in that church. They created what was called a book of lost friends. The walls of the AME churches of the 1870s and 1880s were papered with bills. When I say bills, I don't mean dollar bills. Bills is what they were called back then, what we call a poster today. They were papered with posters of advertisements For people that were looking for their friends and family. And so, what you would do is you would write a bill or an advertisement, it would be printed and it would be delivered to all of the African Methodist Episcopal churches that said, This is what happened to me, this is who my family was. If anybody hears anything please have them contact me and the preachers of the AME churches every time worship would happen would get the new bills that had come in would read them to the church and then would take them and would paper the wall so when you walked into the AME church you walked into a wall that was a part of what was called the book of lost It became the book of lost friends because somebody went to all of the churches and began to write these down in a book. And so there actually is a book now that you can read of all of these advertisements. So you're in the midst of a time when you could be in open rebellion. Were there not some of the blacks that were slaves that openly rebelled? Do we not have in our history books that they found guns and they decided they were going to kill the masters and we had slave wars that would break out. That's not what ended slavery. What ended slavery was a nation that decided this isn't the way it can be. And that nation fought a war with each other. Brother killing brother, father killing son, family against family. And we resolved the issue in this nation. We may not be perfect at it, But we resolved the question in this nation, are we going to be a people who owns other people? And we said, no, we're not. But what do you do if you're an Israelite living in captivity in Babylon? What do you do if you are a citizen of the United States of America and you've been told for the good of the nation you're going to quarantine. We're going to send you into exile. We're going to send you into captivity, albeit in your own homes. Is kind of like me getting grounded to my room when I was 18. Thank you, Mom. Because I had a television. And I had books to read. And I didn't get near enough time anyway. Now, when I was seven, it was a different story. I didn't have a television at 7. You get what I mean? Lessons from the wilderness. Because one of our urges is to rebel. Isn't it? One of our urges is to say, this isn't us. Well, the truth is, in Babylon, Israel wasn't Israel. Israel was Babylonian. That's the rule of the day. And so what do you do? Well, you know that some of the people said, no, we're not going to sing for you. No, we're not going to pray for your peace. No, we're not going to cooperate. The politics of 2020... The religion of 2020? The quarantine of 2020? Can I tell you there's not a lot has changed in human nature in 2,500 years? That was 2,500 years ago. And can I tell you that there's just not a lot in human nature that's changed? We're still deciding that we're just going to rebel, many of us. Just not going to do it. In 2020, it's whose expert are you listening to? We've all got our experts. It's just which one do you think is right? And so you got leaders that are trying to make decisions, and it seems like they're saying to us, we want you to prosper. How am I supposed to prosper when I can't go back to work? How am I supposed to prosper under that political ideology? And I don't care which one. You know, You know who I am. But I don't care which one you talk about. As I say, we should have ended as a nation 25 years ago if I'd have listened to the pundits. And probably longer than that because that basically goes back to my youth. I'm only 56. So what do you do? What lesson do we learn from the wilderness? Well, here's the lesson from Babylon. There was a man in Babylon that took God's word seriously. He built homes. He invested. He planted gardens. He gave the best that he was to Babylon. A young man by the name of Daniel. And we have an entire book about him in the Old Testament. It was Daniel in the lion's den, it was Daniel in the fiery furnace. We have an entire book about a young man that invested himself for the peace and the good of Babylon in spite of the fact that he wasn't just taken captive, but they tried to feed him to lions, and then they tried to burn him in a furnace. Not an easy life for this man who had been taken captive. And yet, what did he do? Every time Nebuchadnezzar needed something, Daniel was there with the word of the Lord. Daniel was there for the good of the nation. Daniel didn't hold it back and just let Nebuchadnezzar make the mistakes that he was going to make. He gave the best that he was, which is exactly what God asked him to do. Now, a lot of people don't know the end of that story. The Babylonian name for Daniel... Balthazar. Do you know the next time we hear about Balthazar? Balthazar comes from the east of a region named Babylon. By that time, Persia has taken it over. And he makes the journey all the way back down from where the people had been taken captive in Babylon to a little town called Bethlehem. And he's one of the kings that comes and lays the treasures of his heart before the Savior of the world. Balthasar is Balthasar because Daniel was Daniel. Now, Daniel was dead. But Daniel had planted gardens. Daniel had given the best that he was to Babylon so that there was a memory that endured all the way 500 years to the time when the Christ child was going to be born and a man named Balthazar who was one of the richest kings of that area comes back to Bethlehem to give honor to the king that's the legacy of giving the best that you are even in captivity, even when you think it's stacked against you. Lessons from the wilderness. To me, that means in the midst of quarantine, rebellion isn't going to get me anywhere. But there is still a best that I can give. There is still a best that I can do. In my community, in my church, in my country, in my family, for myself. God says to the people of Israel, this is what you can do. I'm going to come back and get you in 70 years. That gave Israel 70 years to significantly make a difference in Babylon. And they did. Because 500 years later, Babylon is going to come back and lay the gifts of a king at the cradle of the Christ child. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray your blessing over Santa Claus, over all the communities that are represented here. I pray your blessings over our state, our nation, and our world. May we as your people Give the very best of who we are, even in the midst of difficult times. This I pray in your name. Amen. Please stand. I'd love to leave you with a blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God is good. And all the time. Go in peace. God bless.